0: Spider-Man shoots hot white liquid out of his wrist, this is spoilers! What's up, guys? Always a fun time. Welcome back to Spoilers. This is your boy, PK, superhero correspondent, PK. (sighs) I'm back. Let's go. In black. I'm actually wearing black.
1: Save it for Spider-Man 3. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I should save it for (laughs) Spider-Man 3. Speaking (laughs) of Spider-Man 3, I'm here to host a three-part limited series for spoilers. We're going to be spoiling the original, the Holy Trilogy, the Sam Raimi, Spider-Man trilogy
2: i'd like to think this is just like someone's idea or ploy to get sam raimi as the number one spoilers <laughs> director is someone behind this happy is that you
1: as of this recording justin lynn is our king which i am fine with whoever's king as long as it's not him uh, <laughs> he's
0: great but i've work. actually i mean if you want I, you could give it to me because i've been i've been pushing for this episode for a, a while Pap, you, you can attest to that. I've been, mm-hmm. We've been on the DMs. I've been like, yo, man, like, let me host a Spider-Man episode. Come on. And with the quarantine and with the old uh, Doctor Strange, Sam Raimi news, I, I this is the time.
1: Well, the Doctor Strange news is definitely what put us over the edge. But yeah, let me also just for the audience, you know, sometimes we do movie review episodes. That's like the rotating book club of movies where there's a trivia winner and a host and all that sometimes we do our episodes but like in the past year or so we've been doing these deep dives either multi-part episodes on one movie or one movie or one episode on multiple 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 movies but i kind of like just taking a step back cranking out three spider-mans in a row we'll probably put them out back to back to back i think that's gonna make some for good good summer content for people especially with no marvel movies this summer pk is that is that tough for you not being able to go back to the mcu after its epic conclusion last year
0: uh i mean it's it's definitely uh, an adjustment period back to the time where there's like no comic book movies coming out but mm-hmm. uh i mean we got black widow on the slate which i'm really excited for but uh yeah it's it's i mean to be honest it's kind of nice too. In a in a other way, where it's like we got so much Marvel and so much Marvel and this epic storyline that came to a conclusion after eleven years, and it's like it's kind of nice to like take a step back and like let it breathe and give it time to have have the new the new <laughs> phase roll into town. So yeah,
1: it's like the '90s again. Feels <laughs> a lot like the '90s again.
0: Speaking of the <laughs> '90s, I was looking up some notable comic book movies that were released before this one because a lot of people say you know this is the comic book movie that put put it on the map and like kind of paved the way for for these to be, actually be like nope good films instead of you know not just comic book movies but uh the batman movies Tim Burton and uh Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> so uh, i think Tim Burton had somewhat of a critical success with his but Joel Schumacher kind of just squashed everything with his Batman and Robin and all that stuff. So another one was Blade. Didn't really have a big following, but it was a solid movie and then X-Men, which was kind of seen as the the most popular or probably quote unquote best made comic book movie until Spider-Man came mm-hmm. along. So
2: Well, X-Men came out in 2000 and I feel like X-Men is what launched Marvel into what it is today. I know it's a different studio. Mm-hmm. The X-Men movies were done by Fox. But X-Men gave us Spider-Man. Spider-Man gave us a, a lot of bad movies, actually, that came out in the 2000s. It really did. <laughs> Eventually, Daredevil, late 2000s, we got to Marvel, finally.
0: So, uh, speaking of that, um, I'm a relatively new host. I'm a simple guy, but with great podcasts come great responsibility. <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. So, I'm going to try to do my best. So, I'm going to keep it simple, and I think we're just going to kind of go through each act of the movie, talk about some 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 of the good characters in depth and uh talk about Sam Raimi, because that's part of the reason why this movie has so much praise and, and had so much success. So um I'm gonna throw it to Pappy if you want to kind of talk us through how this movie gets going.
1: Yeah, so this is like Corey mentioned, this kind of became the archetype for every superhero movie that seemed to come after it and it's funny too because you you watch this i grew up with this and then kind of went back to the tim burton batman's later in life like i can remember them and, and i thought that it started with an origin story but it starts with like an origin story fake out this is just a straight up origin story origin story and it's laying the groundwork for who peter parker and spider-man is and i think pk we even talked about on homecoming how nice it was that they didn't do this but it's it's the high school version of peter parker um it starts with the the field trip right and we get to see him and flash and aunt may and uncle ben it's it's just kind of like laying the groundwork for his high school days but in kind of an accelerated fashion you
0: pretty much see like all the main characters within the first five to ten minutes and kind of get where their motivations are and kind of who who their base characters are all within the first eight minutes which is awesome
1: let's start with the big guy toby mcguire i i don't know if he's a good actor or not i would <laughs> lean towards no but yeah.
2: i'm curious to what you guys think i'm uh i'm leaning on no as well man <laughs> hey
1: uh, can i take your picture i need one with a student in it
0: sure yeah Great. Where do you want me? Oh, over here. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Don't make me look ugly. <laughs> that's impossible. You guys
3: don't think he's a good actor?
1: He makes like four faces in the entire movie. That's all
3: you need is <laughs> an actor. What? <laughs> you need your happy. You need your angry. You need your sad. You need your confused. That's all you need is <laughs> an actor. He nails every one of them.
2: My problem is I've never really liked him as Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Uh, I've kind of, I've had that. In my head for so long, that that's that really clouds my judgment on Toby as a whole. <laughs> but, I mean, he, some of the people he's surrounded by are pretty good in this movie. It's just him as Spider-Man, it's not quite right. I think Garfield was better. I think Tom Holland's the best. And he's kind of too old to be in high school, as they all are on this field trip, I think, right?
3: Yeah, they all look way too old. I'm so happy you brought that up. Like, Pap, you know I used to love the show The O.C., right? Oh, yeah. Big, big O.C. (laughs) fan here. Well, you don't realize it when you're younger, but you think, like, high school kids, like, they look like they're that old. But as you get older and look back on it, every
0: kid in this high school is at least 35 years old. (laughs) Like, Well, the the teacher that comes up and tells him, like, to stop talking during the field trip looks probably younger than most of the actors yeah. do. They were supposed yeah, to be Flash case. or Crash or whatever <laughs>
3: looks old enough to be one of the, like the high school kids' parents. Like It was confusing <laughs> watching that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Toby Maguire was I think 27 when this movie came out, so he was probably <laughs> 26-ish when they were filming. And I
1: don't know, like I don't have a lot of context for the character of Spider-Man. Like, I, I just kind of take all of these superhero films at face value, but I found that like Rewatching this after seeing so much of the Tom Holland Spider-Man character recently, he's very like, gee whiz, and oh, that's Harry's girl. You know what I mean? He talks like he's not from the early 2000s. Is that (laughs) just the character? Or is that like Sam Raimi slash whoever the the screenwriter was, uh, you know, Stan, or I don't know, I'll look
2: that up. But like, is that just sort of their Taste of the character? Did you guys pick up? on Yeah, that? he never said anything. Is quote the bomb? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? I think it's part of both. Like, and you know, you know, Spider Man's and Peter Parker has always been a nerd and, and shy, and he's he, you know, he's got this huge crush on Mary Jane, but doesn't know how to convey it. And and I, I just think it's partially Peter Parker as a character. But yeah, I mean, Sam Raimi could have have his own take. I mean, I've heard Sam Raimi is like a big comic book fan and a big Spider-Man fan. So he might, you know, have some deeper insight and, and might've seen something. But I also think they kind of went a different way from the comics a little bit, you know, like a lot of people complained about this movie that, you know, Spider-Man didn't have enough quips and, and stuff like that, like classic comic Spider-Man did. But mm-hmm. if you look at it, if you look at it, like a lot of the situations where, where Spider-Man found himself in, in this movie were more serious and, and, you wouldn't find somebody taking the time to, to make a quip. But there are times, like in the wrestling match, where he, he's up on the fence and talking shit to Oh, Yeah, he's and, calling uh, him gay. Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, that's a cute outfit your husband made. That did quip. not age well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, this is the, the early 2000s. Never mind, I see it now.
0: Hey, Brick Joe, you're going nowhere. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of heat time. What are you doing
1: up there? Staying away from you. That's a cute outfit. Did your husband give it to you? One last thing too about Tobey Maguire. Have you guys seen the movie Molly's Game?
0: Has anyone seen that? No. Yeah. I, no, it's on Netflix now. I was very
1: close to going to see it in theaters, didn't see it. Why? It's very long, but there's an asshole. It's based on a true story, and there's an actor in it. Toby's in there. Yeah, there's an actor in it who's a huge asshole, and it's like, they don't say it's Toby Maguire, but then as soon as you Google it, it's like, yeah, this is 100% based on Toby <laughs> Maguire, and apparently he's just like the biggest dick bag in the world off screen. Oh, no. I just wanted a famous name. I didn't really have a coherent point to go with that. I just wanted to talk shit about someone I don't know.
0: All right. So, after we get through the field trip or during the field trip, uh, a pretty big plot point happens. He, uh, he gets bit by a spider, which uh, is a pretty big deal in Spider-Man. So, Stevie, kind of what happens after he gets bit? And then if you want to kind of introduce the, the counterpart, uh, his best friend, Harry's father. Norman Osborne, what's he up to? Well,
3: it's kind of a strange buildup, too, because you have to think Mary Jane is like Rain Man, who literally walked into this scene, um, like five seconds into when the person said, you know, we have 15, you know, spiders in this cage or, or these cases or whatever. And Mary Jane instantly <laughs> goes, there's 14. <14." laughs> like, there's absolutely no way she had enough time. But, um, Peter gets bitten. He goes home. He's not feeling great. He's kind of going through this crazy psychedelic trip of lightning and sweats. At the same time, he's dreaming that uh, that uh, Harry Osborne, Norman Osborne, is murdering his uh, his second in command. Um, but yeah, Peter wakes up and he is shredded. <laughs> he is all of a sudden good looking in his eyes. And they also make kind of a quip that his dick has gotten larger through the night <laughs> after being uh, bitten by a spider. Big changes. Like, it's it's <laughs> kind of a strange sequence, but it's also kind of cool in the same way, I guess. But the one thing I do like that this movie does, and I think it's what makes Norman Osborn probably one of the coolest Spider-Man villains, is, like, they make it a point that Norman is kind of this fatherly character to Peter, and, like, he's always kind of encouraging him. He's always trying to pat him on the back. Like, I think that's a cool thing that this movie does. And that's kind of when the sadness comes in of when Norman loses his mind because the military is going to take away all his funding.
2: I just want to say, too, about Peter being buff. Like, that is one of the first, and now it's just expected, but that is one of the first we got of an actor really getting jacked for a superhero role. I don't know if you guys remember 100%. before this. Like, Michael Keaton... Just looked like a regular
0: guy. Just <laughs> <laughs> your regular billionaire guy. They built like muscles into his suit. <laughs> exactly. What were you saying, Steve? Yeah, the the how he starts losing his mind, I think, is is an interesting uh, thing about the character, and he kind of has like a Jekyll and Hyde type uh, uh, arc for the Green Goblin. How he he. Like you said, the military or his board of directors is like, all right, you need to start human testing this stuff now or within like a week we're we're moving on and you're going to get shut down. So he's like, fuck it, I need to do this, so I'm going to do it myself. And he ends up doing the human test and he freaks out and he kills his partner. And then, yeah, that starts fucking with his brain. And then he starts slowly descending into madness, which is mm-hmm. crazy because, yeah, like you said, he is some sort of a father figure to Peter. Which also develops some drama with Peter and Harry and his father, because Harry kind of resents Peter for that. Slash, he's always looking for approval from his father, but he doesn't seem worthy enough because his father always kind of talking down to him. But when Peter comes around, he's like, "Oh, like that Peter guy? He's he's real smart, you know." So strapping young man. It's just like a cool little drama triangle between Peter, his best friend, and his best friend's dad.
1: Mm -hmm. and it plays out really uh well later in the movie too like when Peter gets fired from his job and Willem Dafoe's like uh yeah I can get you a job and Peter's like no I think I'm gonna try photography and Willem Dafoe's like I like that young man you know what I mean he's kind of like (laughs) something that James Franco could never give him and as much as I kind of shit on uh Tobey Maguire's performance I thought Dafoe is born to play this like marvel villain you know what i mean like his I'm glad face you said that
0: because uh oh, sorry was, finish your thought real quick well yeah it
1: is his face is just so expressive you know what i mean like he has so many like ways that his face can move and contort and there's that super famous you know mirror scene where he's going all sort of schizophrenic talking to himself but like the norman osborne is a distinctly different character than the green goblin in that scene even though it's just one guy kind of like going back and forth and it's it's really great acting
0: it's like obviously norman you can tell norman osborne's not like the greatest guy but like you said there's obviously a distinct difference between him and when he like gets taken over by the green goblin i'm glad you said that he was like born to play this role because i was watching a video like right before we jumped on to record and somebody was saying how sam raimi actually didn't want to cast willem dafoe um for some reason or another and and willem dafoe was like very persistent about he really wanted this role so i think he saw something that he could do with it and eventually convinced sam raimi to hire him and i think yeah it worked out for the best
1: even just looking at his imdb now spider-man is still willem dafoe's like most known for you know what i mean i don't know exactly how that's like calculated but it's it's a significant part of his career a guy who's been in all kinds of movies including antichrist a few weeks ago a very different movie.
0: <laughs> so yeah moving on we get uh we get green goblin established we get uh we get uh this is uh, a little bit after but so we're moving into kind of we have a nice little intimate scene with uh peter and mj in their little backyard and you kind of see mj's back uh, back story and She's got like an abusive father, emotionally abusive father. And that's kind of why she always gravitates towards the asshole guys like Flash. And But you get a really nice moment between them two where she kind of tells Peter what she really is dreaming of and she just wants to get out of here and stuff like that. So what do you guys think of Kirsten Dunst as MJ?
2: Don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> why, Corey? Why? Uh, she's pretty much relegated in this series to being a damsel in distress for the most part. Uh, yeah. She doesn't do much. She's never been as interesting as Gwen Stacy. In the and movies. I'm not a big fan of Kirsten Dunst, with maybe the exception of Interview with the Vampire.
0: That's fair. What do you think, Pap?
1: It's funny how, I don't know, Like I remember watching this TV in 2001, and like or 2002, or whenever it was, maybe 2003 by the time I saw it, but no one even thought of Mary Jane kind of being if not marginalized, sidelined as a as an object of Peter's desire. You know what I mean? she has she's nothing but a trophy for Peter Parker. But like nobody thought of that then. And then, like watching this after seeing like the way film has just totally changed and, and the representation has totally changed. Like I couldn't not see it. Did you get those vibes at all, Stevie? Yeah.
3: I mean, I felt like for the time, it was like, if you're going to make a superhero movie, kind of like said, you have to have a damsel in distress. Like, look at that from 2002 to 2019 with Endgame, where you literally had a five-second shot of every female in the movie <laughs> pop up into one single frame. Like, and also not even just being every female, but very, like, empowering at the same time. So, I also think, I mean, I don't want to hop into two, but I definitely think they realized that with the character moving forward. Um, as far as, like, having, like, her own wants and desires. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of odd looking at now and just seeing her as just kind of, like, an object and at the same time a damsel in distress.
2: This being an early superhero movie, it follows a formula. And, like we mentioned, there was several superhero movies after it that kind of went about a similar formula as well. But um, I, it's it's kind of weird. They had to start it off with some cheese. And... This is it. I mean, I guess we couldn't have got where we are now without your, like, um, more typical kind of superhero movie like this one.
0: But guess what? Cheese is good. I love cheese.
2: <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I love cheese too, but Corey,
1: you've seen those Plinket reviews of, like, uh, Phantom Menace or whatever, and he plays that game with, like describe han solo and like everyone can like give all these characteristics about han solo and He's like describe qui-gon jinn and everyone's like uh you know what i mean i like, like the one guy's de- response <laughs> stoic. stoic stoic yeah it's like i like what can you say about mary jane in this movie she wants to fuck joe manganello she i mean don't we all yeah she wants to be an actress
3: she likes new cars yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> she sure does
1: Which
3: is a great continue, like a great, like, error, too. I mean, I don't know if it's an error, but I just found it hysterical how uh, her boyfriend gets his chest punched through his back. And then a (laughs) mere four hours later is just upright talking, got a new car, babe, let's go.
2: Yeah, he'd be dead.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're taller than you look. I hunch.
0: a new birthday present come on i gotta go bye oh my god it's gorgeous yeah right <laughs> look at it i'm in. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> pretty
3: tight
0: huh so moving on uh we got two since you guys aren't a fan of kirsten Dunst, we got two fantastic casting choices which i'm a terrible host. I didn't look up their names before, but Aunt May and Uncle Ben are like the quintessential uh Aunt May and Uncle Ben in this movie, like the the very like homey grandparent type uh, of character and they just you just tell you can tell they gave Peter this like loving childhood and like kind of gave him the lessons that he needed to really become Spider-Man and it all kind of starts with the With great power comes great responsibility speech slash scene, which is so good. great power comes great responsibility.
2: Yeah, it's very Golden Age comic-y. I mean, it's fine for what it is. It's never really been my thing. It's, you know, it's the Kent family. It's the Wayne family. They're all, you know, very altruistic and perfect. And that's cool. They play that the way they should.
3: Are Uncle May and Aunt Ben great Aunt May (laughs) and great Uncle Ben? They're old. I've never been... understood that.
2: They are very old. I've
3: never <laughs> understood it in my life. Like, I, it'd, be, it'd make more sense if it was, like, his uncle's parents. Right. But, like, just, I mean, I don't get it.
0: It kind of makes sense for the way Toby Maguire looks. Like, he looks old, but... It <laughs> seems like odd
3: casting to me, but I do like the actor and actress a lot.
1: Rosemary Harris and uh, Cliff Robertson. Boom. Cliff, my guy. I feel
3: like Cliff Robertson really... I think if you say Uncle Ben in cinema, I feel like he's the one that everyone goes to. Oh yeah,
2: I don't even remember who the other Uncle Ben was. It Martin Sheen. Martin Mm
1: Sheen. Martin Sheen. Spider Man. And just no Uncle Ben in the new Spider
3: Man. And
0: just zero Uncle Ben. All right, so we get done with the Uncle Ben scene. With great power comes great responsibility. Great power comes great responsibility. Peter says, basically, "Fuck you, you're not my dad," (laughs) and he goes to fight. (laughs) Randy Macho Man Savage, a.k.a. Bonesaw. So what happens there?
2: Well, I mean, it is Macho Man Randy Savage as another wrestler, Bonesaw. It's a strange wrestler choice, I think, because he's like a prominent wrestler from the 90s, 80s era. And WCW. This like, so this is kind of already pretty old. But anyway, uh, Peter is in a wrestling match. He has designed... Uh, ghetto costume for himself and he is coming out <laughs> being introduced by Bruce Campbell as
3: yes
2: the human spider name's
0: Ash housewares
2: and Bruce Campbell is friends with Sam Raimi I guess from uh all the Evil Dead stuff right
0: yeah they're like best friends
1: that's such a great cameo that makes me so happy to see Bruce Campbell in there
0: he may or may not be in Spider-Man 2 We will find <laughs> out next week
2: well can I talk on that point a little bit
0: go for it please
2: We talked about this on Big Dumb Movie when we did Spider-Man 3, but um, Bruce Campbell has cameos in each of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, and there was going to be a fourth that never got made, uh, very famously, and uh, Bruce Campbell was going to be Mysterio in that one. I guess the idea was they were kind of setting up the pieces that he was like showing up here and there in Peter's life as these figures that, um, I don't know, had... Sign- small but significant roles in uh, how his future was shaped.
3: That would have been right around the time that he left me hanging at a bar in Michigan <laughs> when he told me, "Let me finish my dinner, and I'll come talk." And he <laughs> went out the back entrance. Huh? Damn. Karma. Karma.
0: Classic move. <laughs> so Spider-Man, or A.K.A. the Human Spider, uh, takes on this guy, and he's supposed to to last three minutes. I got you for three minutes. Story of my life. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say,
1: we all know our artists <laughs> to last for three minutes, right? Oh,
0: God. And of course, story of our lives, he doesn't last three <laughs> minutes. He lasts like maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> so he's supposed to get three grand to, to, so he can buy a new car to impress MJ. And the guy, the, the ridiculous promoter, instead of, since he didn't last one more minute, he gave him $100 instead of 3000 And Peter gets upset. This
2: is the difference between Spider-Man and a guy like me, though. Had Having Spider-Man's powers, I would have just taken the money and been like, well, sucks to be you, dude. I'm super strong. <laughs> See, this is why I could not be a superhero.
3: It's such a strange scene, too, because he doesn't even take the 100 like, at all. <laughs> at least- and it's not like Peter comes from a ton of money. It's a very selfish thing he does. He could have given that 100 to Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and they could have helped them out a whole lot. Mm and instead he just walks away.
1: Mhm. I do feel bad for Peter Parker as a character though. I feel like he's definitely being like disproportionately punished. You know what I mean? Like he got screwed over in a business deal. He kind of he didn't even screw the guy over. He just didn't go out of his way to help him and then his fucking father figure dies because of it. You know what I mean? That's a yep. heavy hammer to fall because you <laughs> kind of just stepped out of the way of somebody.
0: But that's like the also the first time that you kind of see Peter with some some type of confidence when when that guy robs him and runs by and he's like i missed the part where that's my problem he gives him his own line back to him and it's like dang dude that's cold (laughs) but also like fuck yeah peter stand up for yourself and then like two minutes later you find out that he basically got his uncle killed
2: yeah by the sandman (laughs) 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 they just don't show us that part yet
0: so then you get this cool scene where peter kind of uh really comes to his own and, and tries to, to do the web swinging and he's chasing down this guy and and we we get to the, to a like a port type place like an abandoned warehouse and the guy ends up getting confronted by peter he trips on a pipe it falls out the window and everybody thinks peter killed him but uh so this kind of starts act two where where peter really starts to become spider-man and he gets a new suit and we we get a montage of, of him kind of saving some people and we we get introduced to one of the best casting choices, best side characters in all of cinema, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson.
2: <laughs> now that I agree with you with, man. That is the best comic book movie casting of all time. He is so fucking good. And it, it's not just <laughs> his acting. They written, They wrote him perfectly. They got a million things oh, going yeah. on around him and he's just like snapping at everybody with like the... <laughs> The quick uh, Jonah Jameson lines—he's—he's he's perfect. There's a couple jokes about like his wife in there too that are hilarious. And, <laughs> and
1: I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, a lot about the context of the character from like the source text or whatever. But like, I'll, I'll skip ahead a little bit. There's one moment that I like when the Green Goblin's about to choke out J. Jonah Jameson, and like he doesn't reveal his source
0: i love it. I, you know
1: i don't know if he's trying to protect peter or if it's like he's just such a hard-nosed old-school generalist that you don't reveal his sources but like
3: i think it's the latter
1: either way either way <laughs> though it's a great like character <laughs> choice right it adds just enough depth to him or like a lesser movie would have been like he went that way or something i agree i've always appreciated that
0: yeah I, his his casting is is unbelievable and and I love the way that he just kind of flip-flops around on, on the Spider-Man story to, to always spin it to make the Daily Bugle sell, no matter if he's a good guy or if he's a bad guy, it doesn't matter. Whatever's gonna sell the paper the most. Who is Spider-Man? He's a criminal. That's who he is. A vigilante. A public menace. What's he doing on my front page?
2: Mr. Jameson, your wife is online one. She needs to know
1: if you... Mr. Jameson, this is page six. We have a page one problem. Shut up. Right. Well?
2: He's news.
1: They're really important clients. They can't wait. They're about to. He
2: pulled six people off that subway car.
1: Sure, from a wreck he probably caused. Something goes wrong and this
2: creepy crawler is there. Look at that. He's fleeing the scene. What's that tell
1: you? He's not fleeing. He's probably going to save somebody else. He's a hero. Then why does he wear a mask? Hmm? What's he got to hide?
2: She just needs to know if you want the chintz or the chenille in the dining room.
1: Whichever one's cheaper. Mr. Jameson, it's like this. We double booked page six. See, so both Macy's and Conaway's both have three quarters of the same. We sold out four printings. Sold out. Every copy. Tomorrow morning, Spider-Man, page one, with a decent picture this time. Move Conway to page seven. There's a problem with page. I make it page eight and give him ten percent off. I make it five percent. That can't be done. Get
0: out of here. Yeah, you get you get Peter hired on as like a freelance photographer for Spider-Man, and then which starts to cause kind of problems because like people like how would he get those? Like the thing that bothers me about that is is the photos he was taking. He's taking (laughs) photos like literally of him crawling on the side of a skyscraper. Like, how the fuck would you get up there? Yeah,
2: the, the the camera is clearly on the side of the building. It's, like, not ground level. I was noticing that this time around as well. He's not even trying to hide the fact that it's a setup camera.
0: Like, you get the scene where he, like, you see the, the camera webbed up to, like, a light pole, which is cool. But then, yeah, you get the ones where he's literally, like, on the Empire State Building. Like, and it's like, oh, like, he's wearing a GoPro, basically. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Um, so... Then we get, uh, you know, we get some more scenes with with Green Goblin. We get the first confrontation of of Spidey and Green Goblin. Pretty much, we get uh, Green Goblin attacks. Like it's, I think it's called a Unity Day parade or, or festival.
2: Yeah, Oscorp Unity Day Festival.
0: Obviously, it was a weird times because uh, they had Macy Gray as the headliner and <laughs> performer. Which two thousand two was I weird. Two thousand two is strange. And
1: I choke. <laughs>
0: Yeah. If you don't know who Macy Gray is, look up that song that we were just singing because it's it's a banger. But she's got a weird ass voice, and it's just it's just
1: like unfortunate too because her name not unfortunate. Her name's Macy, and they show these like floats going down in a parade in New York, and your mind goes Macy's parade, but it's it's just not what's happening. It's a le- Macy, Macy Gray later.
2: parade. Yeah, uh, she's doing her famous song Nutmeg Fantasy yeah. <laughs> in my notes. <laughs>
0: So we get we get kind of the first real introduction to the ruthlessness of the Green Goblin when he comes in and throws a grenade at his board of directors and they just straight up vaporize into skeletons and then into dust. Yeah, it turns like,
2: them into cartoon skeletons. It's pretty funny, actually.
0: <laughs> it was weird. It was like kind of violent, but kind of cartoony at the same time. So I was like, I don't know how to feel about that. It looks too
1: stupid to be violent. I have, a, Corey, I have a question for you you're yeah. you're significantly older than the rest of us on the podcast you're around yeah, josh's I'm 63 josh's age Yeah, you're not
3: far from filing for retirement
1: <laughs> um i think it's more pointed later in the movie when they're all on the bridge and the new york the new yorkers all come together and they say you mess with one of us you mess with all of us but like uh. wasn't it kind of weird at the time, I think I even like remember this being kind of weird. Seeing what's like tantamount to a terrorist attack in New York City, like months after
2: nine eleven. Do you do you remember that? Uh, no, actually, okay. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't put the pieces together at the time. my My small fifteen year old brain wasn't wasn't doing that kind of thinking.
1: I think there was like shots of the World Trade Center that were edited out. Though, if I'm not mistaken. Yes,
2: quite famously, the the teaser trailer, the original one, which is different footage not used in this movie, was Spider Man thwarting a robbery wherein he caught the helicopters, the helicopter of the robbers in a web between the Twin
0: Towers. Crazy.
1: But yeah, to go back to the the Macy's so, parade thing, PK, the part that always stands out for me is that brain dead Billy kid who almost gets squished <laughs> by the <Billy> thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's just staring. It's like, move, kid. <laughs> oh man, and and a lot of parts about the scene too that I like. I mean, the CGI in this movie doesn't hold up that great. I mean, I'm sure at the time it was it was like top notch or at least not noticeably bad, but. Um, one one thing I liked about Sam Raimi is that he did a lot of this stuff in camera and practical. And, and there's one scene where I think it's in this unity scene where, yeah, the green goblin kicks Spider-Man in the chest and he just, you can tell it's a wire, but it's so cool. He flies like 50 feet back and he slams into a freaking light pole and it falls down. You can tell it's super heavy. And it's just, I love the fact that he uses as much practical effects and, and camera moves as he could. But, uh, yeah. And then we get a couple more, uh, fights between the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. We get one where he's kind of trying to rescue people out of a fire. He disguises himself as an old lady. We get one where, where, like you said earlier, where Green Goblin attacks the Daily Bugle and he's choking out J. Jonah Jameson and then he ends up gassing Spider-Man and they have this cool conversation on the roof. And Stevie, do you kind of want to talk about that and, and kind of, See, where a green goblin is trying to kind of like recruit Spider Man almost. It's
3: trying to recruit him. He's pretty much trying to tell him, like, him and himself are different. They are exceptional. They are better than the mere peons that live in the city. And it doesn't make sense for him to serve the people that really don't give a damn about Spider Man. And so I was always confused. Why didn't he rip off his mask? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that that's that's bothersome to me i mean i feel like that's I mean, one called a plot hole i guess it's gamesmanship if you want you know not know your enemy i guess but it really would have taken a mirror like two seconds to be like when he's knocked out like i wonder who this cat is you know it could be my son for all i know
0: yeah i think he was he was trying to give faith to spider-man to be like all right i think his kid's going to come to my side, and if, if he doesn't, then I'll fucking kill him, and I know who or where, he, where to find him and stuff, but...
3: Yeah, and PK, I have a question for you. What up? I, th- like, I think what sets this movie apart from, like, it's kind of predecessors is the swinging and flying throughout the city, I think, still looks really strong for a movie that came out in 2002. Dude, it looks so good. If that wasn't in this movie, would this movie be still kind of highly heralded as it is? Because uh, there's a lot of it in this movie
0: maybe not like as high as heralded as it is, but I think it'd still be like up there. Cause I mean, part of the movie, the reason the movie's, uh like successful is like, you know, I mean, say what you want about Tobey Maguire and, and stuff, but like the character of him as Peter Parker and Spider-Man is, is well done and well fleshed out. And then the conflict with the Green Goblin and everything. But yeah, like that's kind of goes back to the camera movements and in, in mm-hmm. camera stuff about Sam Raimi that I love. Like, there's one shot specifically where it's like Spider-Man swinging down, and he's like right in between the cars, and he goes right back up. But it's like you can tell it's literally an actual camera movement swinging down on top of a street full of cabs, full of cars in Manhattan, and then it's like they just CGI'd Spider-Man in there. It's like, yeah, at this day and age, like how many cameras or how many directors are actually going to take the time? to do all that shit and make it really look like you're swinging with him and stuff, which I guess you don't need to do it now. But I thought that was just a super cool idea and and execution of the idea. So like to answer your question, I guess I don't think it would take away from it too much, but I definitely think it added a lot. Me too. So then we move on a little bit. We get uh, the famous kiss. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, Between (laughs) Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst and Spider-Man and Mary Jane, the upside down kiss, which has like been parodied, how many times now in movies and TV shows?
1: It's weird how sticky that moment is. Like anytime, (laughs) I mean, yeah, anytime you see anything like similar to that, like, or even if you just like. Kiss your partner at a weird angle. Spider-Man kiss like comes up. It's just a part of the zeitgeist. It's 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 so famous. Exactly.
2: It is. I think it won uh, like an MTV Best Kiss Award that year. I remember seeing that on TV. I'm not surprised. What 100% <laughs>
3: did. And to our younger audience out there, you have no idea how massive this kiss was when it came out. Like you guys said, it was
0: everywhere. I mean, he was upside down. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You
1: see full-on full Kirsten Dunst nipple, too, in the rain. I don't know if you boys
2: noticed that, but- Hardcore. Prominent.
1: No,
0: no not at all. <laughs> no, I did as a 10-year-old boy, <laughs> let me tell you that.
2: <laughs> the thing that struck me this time about that whole scene was more leading up to it when she's rescued yes. by Spider-Man because she is getting a, mugged by some like 80s cholos, which- <laughs> the the, the likes of which i haven't seen since like american me so (laughs) there's that even
0: even mary jane acknowledges that she's like oh i think i have a superhero stalker like (laughs) it's kind of weird but uh so yeah like after that little scene i mentioned a little bit ago with the the green goblin and the fire and him pretending to be an old lady uh it goes a little fight scene, and, and Peter gets cut on his arm, and then we we move on to a Thanksgiving scene, which is possibly the, one of the best scenes in the movie, where we get a, a a cool tension moment where they they almost discover Peter in his room, and he's like cleans to the ceiling real quick, and then we actually do get the discovery of Norman figures out that Peter Parker is Spider Man.
3: So did Norman get bionic hearing? <laughs> When he kind of lost his mind. To hear one
0: drop of blood fall. He might have. To hear one
3: (laughs) drop of single blood. What do you
2: mean? It was loud when I heard it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, You're right, PK. It is kind of this. There's a lot of moving parts coming together for the fact that it's like Mary Jane, Harry, Peter in the same room, Norman, Harry in the same room, Norman, Harry, Peter in the same room. It's kind of all these things coming together of just build up intention, eventually just blows up when... I ima- Okay, explain this to me. How did Norman know that it was his cut that he gave to Peter?
2: I guess it has to be the location of the wound, right?
3: Did he know during the throes of battle? Right oh, I cut him! on his forearm. <laughs> that's like, true, yeah, I don't right know. Right on his forearm, and it looks like that,
1: exactly. The thing that's like... I feel like Norman's behavior is so erratic during the scene. I probably would have come to the conclusion this guy might be the Green Goblin. By the way he's acting, <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> out
2: of control. Is <laughs> This motherfucker the Green Goblin. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that look he gives Aunt May when she smacks his hand when he's reaching into the thing. He's like he's about to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I thought. But
2: the knife was like overly sexual when he was licking his fingers, looking at her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Another cool thing about this scene, I, I was looking up, um, like Sam Raimi and, and the set designers did something really cool with this like if you notice um, Norman is actually wearing like blue and red Spider-Man colors and uh, Peter is actually wearing like green hmm. so it's kind mm-hmm. of a cool contrast where they're wearing like the opposite colors and stuff like that but it's also kind of fucked up because you know this is the scene where he discovers or commits himself to discovering that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and then What does he do immediately after that? He goes and attacks Aunt May, somebody he's known for a long time, and then he attacks MJ. It's like, it's fucked up. (laughs) First, I
2: got to say that when he's exiting the dinner, Norman Osborn, he says from the hallway very loud, talking about Mary Jane to Harry, he says, do what you need with her and then broom her fast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Broom (laughs) her. Different times, man. Different times.
2: (laughs) Pretty great. (laughs)
0: mother was beautiful too
3: they're all beautiful until they're snarling after your trust fund like a pack of ravening
0: wolves you're wrong about her dad
3: a word to the not so wise about your little girlfriend do what you need to with her then groom her fast in your guy's knowledge has willem Defoe ever been in a musical
2: <laughs> Effort, think.
3: So. god i, I hope know.
0: not and i hope he is soon efforting i'll look that up
3: <laughs> okay for the fact okay hear me out as crazy as it sounds But how amazing would it have been if we would have followed Norman out of the building about him singing the pain of realizing (laughs) that his son's best friend is Spider-Man and how he must defeat him. How great of a musical moment would that have been? Written by (laughs) Bono. Written (laughs) by Bono.
0: That would be great. I need you to write that, Stevie. Doesn't look like he's been in many <laughs> musicals,
2: if any.
1: So that would have been his musical debut, and it would have been a fantastic. That would have
2: been one. amazing. I mean, there is a Spider-Man musical, quite famously, that failed and was the most <laughs> expensive musical of all time. Didn't people
1: die in, my body. Wow.
0: in that? Like,
1: didn't <laughs> like? Didn't someone fall and die making
0: that? Someone did die. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we get uh, an intense scene with with the goblin coming after Ant-Man, he, he likes to, like, bust through walls. Like, it's, <laughs> like, the third time he's done that in the movie. And uh so, we get Aunt, uh, Peter and MJ talking in the hospital and it kind of – Peter gets his chance to, like, really tell MJ how he feels, but in the – kind of, like, in the words of Spider-Man or him telling Spider-Man what he thinks of her and she can kind of tell he really feels this way about her and and stuff like that, but – then we're we're moving on to the last act, the last confrontation where he takes MJ, then he gives Spider Man the can't remember what the line is, but he basically says like this is where the good guys lose. You get a choice that so you can't you can't make a winning choice. So he chooses between MJ and a like a cable car full of kids.
2: It's exactly like Batman Forever at the end, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: In so much as that he just rescues them both, right? Yeah, yeah. No actual choice.
0: But then, then we get a really cool, really cool fight scene between Goblin and, and Peter Parker, and I love this scene so much because it's so gritty. Like, there's no music at the beginning, and Spider-Man is getting his ass kicked.
2: If only
1: the like New York scene it's
0: incredible where he, too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. After after he's away from the New Yorkers, <laughs> did you? Come on, did you
1: hate that line, Corey, because I brought it up earlier. I think you were the one who had an audible ugh at the. You messed with oh, one yeah, of it's us. Horrible. <laughs> you it's It's absolutely us. awful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you messed with one of us. You messed with all of us. Forget about it. Hey, I'm walking in. Hey, New York. Forget about it. I'm walking in. <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> Take your freaking out. Leave Spider-Man alone. You gotta pick on a
1: guy trying
2: to save a bunch of kids. with one of us you mess with all of us it's so corny
0: it's funny though i mean one thing though that i did like that they did with like new york and everything in this movie is like it did feel like alive like you know there's there's that montage scene where it's like almost like goes into like a documentary style where where it's like they're interviewing random people on the streets he stinks and, and i don't like it's him like was jim bit,
3: norton famous when this movie happened
0: bunch of different casts and characters and you got the guys singing like a homeless dude version of the spider-man song the classic song and and then like there's a bunch of scenes where like in the background if you look in the background there's like a shit ton of extras in like every scene which i think it was like is way better than actually throwing it on a green screen like they do nowadays so but what do you guys think of that final fight between spider-man and the green goblin i thought it was probably the strongest part of the whole Mm -hmm. movie just for the
3: fact that i mean the scenery and the lighting in that in those scenes looked incredible and kind of like you said, PK, there's no dialogue outside of screams and grunts, and there's also no music. Mm-hmm. And so without music, you really don't know what kind of footing your hero or your villain are really on. And so I thought that was a really neat thing that Sam Raimi did by leaving all music out of it. And just, you know, with Peter getting thrown through walls, you the know, mask none of didn't his
0: burn off and yeah, off. Yeah, none of his old so tricks cool.
3: working. Like I thought this was probably the accumulation of like the strongest part of the whole movie. Mm.
1: This is back when the sound categories were just one category, best sound. They didn't differentiate between best mix or best effects. And I, and I think like, like the sound that the web makes, like when it's being strained, you know what I mean? It has almost a metallic, like interesting, like hard sound. Like you understand like how hard of a material it is. Like that's great. But I, but I think the most iconic sound from this whole fight is Willem Dafoe going, Oh, right before he gets him oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It's so God funny. Godspeed, Spider-Man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it so much. And like you said, it's it's the perfect amount of cheese. Like, that makes me laugh so hard. It's not taking itself too seriously. It's a great way to dispatch a villain in a superhero
0: movie. And it's so fast. Like, it's like right before the thing would have stabbed him. So, it's like, it's like would he really have time to say that? But it's like, yeah, it's 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 the perfect amount of cheese. And I, mm-hmm. I love the scene or the line, like, right before that where... You know, Norman's trying to talk his way out of it and saying, he's like, I've been like a father to you. And that's when Peter finally like completes his arc as like a shitty teenager grown into a man where he's like, you know, like I have a father. His name is Ben Parker and all that stuff. And I love that. He was my grandpa. <laughs> I have a father. <laughs> he's my cousins, he was... <laughs> brothers, great uncle's cousin's brother's half brother. He was my
1: grandpa's <laughs> brother. <laughs>
0: so we get yeah we get the the impalement of norman with his own glider and then we get the whole drama being set up of his his he has to live with the fact that his best friend thinks that he killed his father and and all this craziness that's set up for the next movie and you know MJ finally wants Peter, but he's like, I'm, I'm too responsible now. I got too much shit going on. I can't deal with you right now. And he turns her down and it, 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 it sets up a lot for the next movie without needing a post-credit scene, which is nice.
2: It ends with a funeral, as uh, most Spider-Man movies do. <laughs> I think every Spider-Man movie since this one, that is, uh, not counting the old TV show and stuff, of course, but they all end with a funeral except two, I believe. I believe it. Why does Spider-Man turn
1: MJ down? I, I don't even really understand why he does that.
0: I don't know. I think it's just, you know, he he, he kind of sees like he's putting people in danger and he he's got bigger things to worry about and it's almost like a distraction at this point. But yeah, I mean, who knows?
3: Well, if he's putting people in danger, wouldn't it be wiser for him to retire Spider-Man? And be with Mary Jane. Right.
2: Uh, can't do that, man. That's... <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> we can't get a sequel. <laughs> sequel. Come on. <laughs> retiring is not like...
2: He's like Batman in that way. Like, he's got this thing he's got to live up to. With great power comes great, great responsibility power. is like in the Spider-Man, Spider-Man DNA. Spider-Man. <laughs> and as long as he has that power, he will be Spider-Man.
0: And that's what I love about this movie and love about this character. It's like, you know what? I, like you said, you know, Peter Parker gets shit on in this movie. He's just like down in his luck. He's got... He's just never, he doesn't have that much good in his life, but no matter what, he's always going to be the good guy and he's always going to try to do the right thing. And, and I think that's what sets Spider-Man apart from a lot of these other superheroes. He's just like a normal kid with normal problems. He's just trying to get through life, but now he's also got all this other shit thrown on his plate where People are trying to kill him and take over the city. And he's like, fuck, I got to stop this too. Like, fuck, just let me live. Outside of the powers,
3: does anything good happen to Peter this entire movie?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> the upside down kiss? <laughs> yeah, the kiss maybe. <laughs> not really. Yeah. yeah. That's so a good point. <laughs> one couple other things. Uh, do you guys have any other like last thoughts? Uh, Stevie, you almost stole my last
1: point, but, like, I think my most notable cameo is Jim Norton just showing up as disgruntled truck driver <laughs> out of nowhere. I always forget <gasps> I he's in the... it, and then I see him, like, holy fuck, that's
2: Jim Norton, and then he's gone, just like that. <laughs> and Octavia <laughs> and Spencer. Octavia
1: Spencer, yeah.
2: What about, uh, Lucy Lawless? Yeah. <laughs> I think she's, she's the one that says, hot. uh, like, six arms sounds kind of hot.
0: That's her? Yeah, the is. biker chick I think it is, too. I noticed that this morning when I was watching it. Wow.
2: Um, Elizabeth Banks as Betty Brant. She comes back. They do make a reference to Eddie Brock very slightly as well. I wouldn't have known this if it hadn't been for IMDb. But when Jameson is trying (laughs) to get photos of Spider-Man, someone tells him that Eddie hasn't been able to get any good photos. And Eddie Eddie Brock. Or Edward Brock Jr. as
0: he describes himself in (laughs) Spider-Man 3. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't actually hear that either. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, Two pods from now, we'll talk about this. But I wonder if Topher Grace just has nightmares about that movie.
2: <laughs> He's too busy making Star Wars supercuts, yeah.
3: Star Wars edits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only other point that I had, PK, is like, we, we kind of take this for granted now that like Amazon has a film division and Netflix has a film division. But Sony was so far ahead of everyone like this DVD came with the DVD, the first DVD player that my family owned. Like, from a supply chain perspective, they controlled, you know, the content itself, the TV that it was played on, the <laughs> vehicle that played the disc that they were selling you. And then once you were done with that, you could go plug in your PlayStation and play more Spider-Man, an exclusive PlayStation game, and that game kicked ass too. But like. Sony really squandered what they had now that they have to like kiss Disney's oh, ass. Oh, how
0: far Sony Pictures has fallen. Yep.
2: <laughs> they really fucking
1: Now
0: they're going
2: to be making the uh, live-action One Punch Man movie that was announced today.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> sorry for all those fans.
3: <laughs> I will say this. Uh, I really don't dig the funeral ending in this movie. It just seems really forced. Like we're gonna get a like, you know what I mean? Like it's like forcing it to let people know this is the setup for the next
0: movie. It didn't. The ending did not seem organic at all. He's got that like angry look on his face. He goes back to the first line. Me, like, you want to know who I am? I'm yeah, Spider Man.
3: That and like <laughs> Harry being like Spider Man did this. He will pay. And then you know Mary Jane being like, why can't you love me? And then there's that whole thing going on. But like you said, PK, it's you know. This is who I am. I'm Spider-Man. I think it would have been dope if they would have faded out when Willem Dafoe just said, don't tell Harry. And they could have ended it right there. Right. That would have solved that entire funeral scene from the get, from the jump.
0: Yeah. And it's also weird. I mean, we can get into this in the next week. But like, they set up Harry to be the bad guy for sure. And then he doesn't really do anything in the next movie besides try to hire somebody to kill Spider-Man, but that's that's for a future pod. well we get the big hairy
2: <laughs> new goblin <laughs> coming in spider-man 3 <laughs> yeah. the fucking worst thing ever
0: right <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys final thoughts and uh, we'll throw it around for a good old yes or no for spider-man 2002 uh i'll go first for- happy yeah
1: first of all
0: great idea
1: pk i'm super duper excited that we're doing this i think it's gonna turn out great Thanks, uh and it's just a fun little series to do it's fun to revisit these i watched this like a year ago about a year ago and i gave it a really unfavorable rating on letterbox i don't know like what was up my ass that day but this is definitely <laughs> a yes like like i said it's dated in some ways it's definitely cheesy but like, you just kind of got to roll with the cheese. You got to just have fun with it. It's a different kind of superhero movie. This is definitely pre-what Chris Nolan did. And, and he brought a certain sense of earnestness to the films that, that a lot of like DC hasn't been able to shake. And I know something else. But like it, it really did change the, the landscape of superhero movies. And it's just fun to go back in time when you just have a Spider-Man origin story and have fun with it. So I had a lot of fun on this rewatch. I laughed more than I thought I would. I was really compelled. And and, uh, I I don't know a lot about Spider-Man. I've never read a comic, but I think he's definitely my favorite superhero. So hard, I would say a hard yes for me. It's a piece of pop culture history. Yeah.
3: Nice. Stevie? Yeah, uh, I'll give this a hard yes. Um, Before Spider-Man... I mean, I don't like X-Men. I don't like the first X- first uh, X-Men movie at all. I really don't. I find it very boring. Blasphemy. Uh, and before that, you had the Batmans, Joel Schumacher Batmans, which were not fun. And I think if you look forward to now, I think the real blueprint for, you know, the CMU and DC as well as far as origin story goes starts with Spider-Man. I think this really laid the groundwork for the next movies to come. And it's not easy to do. Look at Ang Lee's Hulk and Superman Returns. Those movies are hard to watch. Yeah. Yep. And all they had to do was follow this blueprint, which thank God, you know, the cinematic Marvel Universe did. But like Pap said, this is a part of pop culture history. I love what Sam Raimi did, especially with him web-slinging through the sky. And just, I think it was great acting all around. So hard yes for me. Corey? Uh,
2: it's going to be a no for me whoa
3: <laughs> oh, my heart. Uh, it's too fucking stupid Burt. for me i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> what uh, as
2: far as i'm concerned the <laughs> the early 2000s are pretty much like a garbage heap of superhero movies and origin stories and this one might be one of the better ones but i got some serious love for x-men um but that is the total aside i just I don't like it, I don't know It's The CG doesn't look great, the story's pretty formulaic And it's, you know I guess maybe it's because I don't really like Golden Age comics that much either And this is definitely a Golden Age comic story uh, It has a lot of the iconic moments of the Spider-Man, Spider-Man origin stuff But I'm not really into that stuff um, I want to see, like, him being Spider-Man and what is he doing Which is probably why I like 2 I do like 2 a lot Um, Three obviously has its own problems But for what this one is It's just It's too fucking hokey for me
0: Wow It's a fair It's fair judgment But I'm gonna disagree (laughs) My friend (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a hard yes for me Um, I was ten years old When this movie came out So this kind of like Influenced me a lot With with Becoming a superhero correspondent You know Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, uh, Yeah Just shout out to danny elfman the score in this movie is freaking awesome um just like i said the fight scene at the end with no music i think that's an underused slash underrated like style for fight scenes especially like i i can think of like the ready player one like the big race scene in the beginning of the movie that had absolutely no music and it was so intense but uh yeah i freaking love this movie it Part of it is nostalgia for me, but I do think it holds up. Maybe not the CGI, but most of it does hold up, and I think it's a great origin story for a superhero. And like you guys said, it laid the groundwork for kind of where we are today and what movies we have today for superheroes. So, so yes, for me, I'm excited to talk about number two because I'm pretty sure everybody agrees that's probably a better movie and one of the one of if not the best comic book movies of all time. So, one hundred percent. I'm glad you guys are into this idea. I'm, I'm glad to be hosting. I'm going to be a better host next week and not <laughs> lose connection on my Skype. No so. one even knew. <laughs> so uh, take it away, Nickelback Hero. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, no. Uh, definitely uh, tune in next week for Spider Man 2. And, uh, Pap, if you got any extras, look at you know this,
1: Spider-Man. No, that's it. A... <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler man here. Our email is spoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit.
0: Harry tells me you're quite the science whiz. You know, I'm something of a spoiler man myself.